Call the wizard. Ask him a question. Call the wizard. What's on your mind? Call the wizard hotline. Call the wizard. Any old time. Call the wizard. What do you want to know? Call the wizard hotline now. Strange. How a phone call can change your day. Take you away. Away from the feeling of being alone. Bless the telephone. Those are lyrics from Lobby Sifri's 1971 bop, Bless the Telephone, which I'll be including at the end of this episode so you can give it a listen yourself. Those words came to my mind as I sat down to record this, I think because they get to the heart of what this kind of magic is all about. How a phone call, just one action taken by a friend, a family member, even a stranger, can change your day. It creates a connection that pulls you away from one set of possibilities and opens up a whole new world of connection, creation, meaning, and magic. Even at a distance, we can still make a difference in each other's lives, And I think that's what this is all about. Hi, I'm Devin Person, the titular wizard behind the Wizard Hotline and host of This Podcast is a Ritual. This podcast is a ritual spans time and space. You're not in the room where I am right now, but I'm in the room where you are right now in an interesting, funny sort of way. Just like how on a phone call, we're both hanging in there together connected by radio waves or satellites or fiber optic cables, however it is that phones work these days. Honestly, I don't fucking know. But anyways, whatever the technological magic behind it, there's a real magic in the power of the human voice to transcend distance, to transcend time, and create connection. Now, This is the third episode of the Wizard Hotline, and we're going to answer some calls that came in right about the time of our second anniversary special, because some people called in not just to wish this podcast a happy anniversary, but also had a question, and it's about time I got around to answering them. Thank you, callers, for your infinite patience, and I hope this wisdom finds you well. But for our next episode of the Wizard Hotline, number four... I want to do something a little bit different. I want to create a ritual for one caller to help them create a slightly better reality. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about finding those ways that we can make small shifts through action and decision that merge synchronistically with chance and chaos and all of the weird things out of our control in the world around us. So you, dear listener, you listening to this right now, specifically you, I'm asking you to call our hotline, 860-415-6009, and leave a message asking for help with something that you would like to become slightly better in your reality. And from all of the calls that come in, I'm going to magically pick one, and we're going to do a full-length audio ritual episode designed to shift that reality in a slightly better direction. So we will be tuning in as a collective. You will have the guidance of me, your humble wizard servant, and we'll be creating an audio ritual for all of us to play along with and follow along to at home to make this magical shift happen. So that number again is 860-415-6009. Give us a call. 
leave a message letting us know what in your reality could use a little bit of slightly bettering. And if you're lucky, and if you're listening to this right now and I'm talking to you, you're the lucky one. It's already pre-faded. It's you. Give us a call. Leave that message. And experience for yourself how a phone call can change not just your day, but your whole reality. And with that being said, let's dive into some fun phone calls right now. And up first, we've got a very special caller who happens to be Lunchbox, who wrote our amazing theme music. So once again, if you like that theme music, and how could you not? It's a fucking jammer. Uh, Check out Lunchbox. His music is on Spotify and all the other places on the internet that music can be heard. You know, Google it. You've got the power. I believe in you. Let's hear what Lunchbox has to say. Hello, Wizards. Uh, Lunchbox here. I got a few questions for you. First one, uh, what's the Wizards' favorite burger and favorite place in the world to get a burger? Uh, Second one, I was wondering if the Wizards likes to play kickball, and if so, what position do they prefer to play? Uh, Congratulations on... Your second year anniversary of the podcast, Bubs. That's awesome. And I don't care when or where you're all listening to this, but you better have a good fucking day. Later. Thanks, Lunchbox. Fantastic question. Questions, I should say. And fantastic theme song. Seriously, you really hit it out of the park with that theme song. I have it stuck in my head literally forever. So thank you for that. And let's get down to your two awesome questions. Question one, what's my favorite burger? Well, I'm a vegetarian, and so I do enjoy the Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger, these new freaky, not real meat things that we have. And I enjoy them knowing for a fact that this is going to be one of those things like margarine was in the 90s, where all were like, oh, margarine, it's better than butter, it's so good. And then we learn more and we're like, wait, no, don't, never, never eat margarine, it's literally the worst for you, don't do that. So... I think it's fun to eat these things in the uh, pseudo ignorance of our time where we're like, yum, pea protein, so cool. And then down the road, we're all going to deal with whatever horrors uh, come out of that. But I'll let you in on a dirty secret. Even though I am a vegetarian, I love breaking my own rules. And if you break your own rule all the time, then it's not really a rule and it doesn't really count. You're just lazy. But I think the occasional intentional violation of a taboo, especially a personal taboo, is very powerful. And there are certain moments um, when I have been in a more, uh, shall we say, like ascetic phase where I'm just kind of really strict about what I'm doing and very in control or trying to be in control or times when I'm being very sacred and gearing up for a psychedelic experience and, you know, I got to meditate and be so holy and blah, blah, blah. And I'll come down that other side and I just really want to reconnect with ordinary mainstream culture. Because I think there's a lot of beauty in that. I mean, it's the world that we're born into and we spend a lot of time these days talking shit about late stage capitalism. 
But late stage capitalism is also a crazy fun house of fucking nonsense. And sometimes it's fun to just drink the Kool-Aid and jump in the pool with everybody else. So every once in a while, I will violate my own taboo. And there is nothing so reconnective to the core of what I feel is like the fabric of American culture as eating a Big Mac from McDonald's. So every once in a rare while, I will take myself down to a McDonald's and I insist on eating it in the restaurant. It doesn't count if you get it at a drive-thru or you run in and quickly shove your money at the person and then run out into that night. It's important to sit there and enjoy the whole experience of being in a McDonald's and eating this weird burger that's more or less as alien to actual food as an impossible burger is, um, but in a very different way. And so that's the burger that I would choose uh, when I'm trying to fuck with myself. <laughs> and as for kickball, I love to play kickball. It's great. I mean, you know, there's a reason it's the uh, like gym yard recess game of, of choice for so many generations. Um, I don't even know what positions there are. It's like you kick, you stand on the side and talk shit, or you stand somewhere in the field. I've never played kickball at a competitive enough level to be like, oh, yeah, like shortstop, that's me. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think my favorite position in the scheme that I just gave is probably waiting to kick and talking shit. Uh, there's nothing like that anticipation and getting to hang out with people. And, you know, probably we're drinking beer, hopefully in the shade. I don't like the sun. So, yeah, that's good. The moment of kicking and watching the ball sail off is great. The moment when you watch it sail into somebody's open arms and then you're out is less great. So I think just that anticipatory limbo of being in line, waiting to kick it. Can I kick it? Yes, I can. Next caller. Hi, Devin. I, uh, I'm a recent listener of your podcast. I recently started listening to it. And I just wanted to start off by saying I'm very grateful both for your magic and for your ideas about magic. I was wondering if you could provide your wizardly perspective on confronting addictive behaviors. I have an infinitely blessed life, but I struggle with addictive behaviors and addictions, especially in harder times, which really lock me into a state of feeling like an incomplete or unworthy person when I have a strong desire to grow away from that and kind of become my future self that I know is in there. Um, anyways, thank you, and I believe in you. Your magic is real. Have a nice night. Bye. Thank you, caller. That is a uh, wonderful question. I think one that will probably resonate with a lot of people because we have been collectively thrust out of our normal rhythms and routines, which makes uh, a lot of those addictive behaviors um, very hard to resist because we don't have the normal structures to kind of keep them at bay and um, not much else to do. So why not just keep doing that thing that we don't want to do, but we're just going to keep doing over and over again? Uh, to answer this, I, I think it's important to just talk about a couple of different ways that we in culture currently view addiction. So one of the most common is the pseudo-reductionist view of thinking that we are human beings, we are fleshy robots, and our brains are full of chemicals, and sometimes those chemicals just uh, get into weird loops, and we want to keep pressing the dopamine 
button in our brain. And so we get into a behavior that is addictive and we just start pressing that button again and again and again. Now, I, I think science backs up that view. I don't think there's anything so, so wrong with it, except it kind of treats it as a, um, like a glitch in the software and doesn't really take a more holistic view of why we get drawn into those patterns. Like why does the glitch occur in the first place? And so when I first started doing magic, one of the things that really caught my attention was this more psychological approach to magic and saying, it doesn't, we don't have to think of a demon as something that's literally real. And when you haven't summoned it is like sitting in a circle of hell, torturing people by jamming sporks into their butthole. Um, we can think of a demon as a part of your psychological structure that you are giving uh, a presence to through your use of imagination and willpower and visualization and all of the toolkit that we call ritual magic. So using ritual magic, you can summon up your addiction in the form of a demon and then cast it out by speaking very sternly to it and saying, get out of here, jerk, and the demon will go away and you won't be addicted to smoking anymore or whatever it is that's been bedeviling you. And as I've evolved in my own magical thinking and experience, I've come up with a different framework, which is a lot more, um, has a lot more sympathy for the devil, shall we say. And I think it's important to acknowledge that our addictions are part of us. Um, that doesn't mean that they have to stay there and we have to be, you know, in their grip forever, but they're a part of us that formed for a reason. There was a time in our life where we were struggling and whatever that addictive behavior was, was a form of soothing or ignoring or retreating from or otherwise dealing with something else that we weren't able to deal with in a better way. And so we've formed that pattern and it's sort of like the, um, it's like imagine if you have like a, like a squad, like a heist squad that is your brain and you come across a problem and you're like, oh, do we need the getaway driver or do we need the safe cracker or do we need the mastermind person or do we need the, you know, circus contortionist to fit in a box? Like who do we need for this moment to help us solve this? And the addictive behavior is like your muscle and it's kind of out of control. So it's like, ah, all right, now's a situation where we should use finesse. And the muscle comes in as like Hulk smash and wants to punch everybody. And you're like, no, that's not the right behavior. And I think the more that you demonize it and try and say, you're not in the club anymore, you have to leave, makes that part angrier and harder to manage because it's not in conversation with you anymore. It's been cast out into the shadows. And so it's more likely to come back in those moments when you're feeling not as in control. So... I think that framework that I mentioned of ritual magic is good, but I've changed my mind from saying cast out the demon to saying learn how to work with it, talk with it, understand it, and give it a better, more functional role. So not knowing the specific details of your addiction, I think it would be valuable to spend some time journaling or you know relaxing and just probing your thoughts with your own thoughts and trying to understand when did this addictive behavior come into your life and what is the positive in intent behind it? 
What do you think this addictive behavior, if you could personify it as a demon, what would it be trying to do for you that is good? And then what is a way that you could channel that behavior into something more positive? So it's to, to try and you know not put too fine of a point on it. You're basically trying to figure out how can you meet this part's understanding of purpose by giving it a better job to do. So instead of saying, you are the muscle, you have to beat everyone up, you say, you are the muscle, you need to stand over here. And if anyone gets violent, then you can step in, but don't beat people up prematurely. You're making it feel important. You're making it feel valuable. And so you could say, hey, addictive behavior, how about instead of taking me down this dark path that I don't want to go down, how about you can let me know when I have other needs that aren't being met and I will pay attention to you and I will meet those needs in a different way. This takes negotiation. I don't want to act like this is just like a simple, you know, handshake in your head and then you're done. There's a whole world of addicted uh, addiction specialists. And also the thing that I forgot to mention with the chemical explanation is that some of these things have chemical. <laughs> if you're addicted to a substance, uh, it, it has its hooks in you in a different way. And so it takes even more strategy to figure out. Um, how to separate out what is that mechanism versus what is the positive intent of that part. Um, but whatever kind of addiction you're dealing with, I think a couple of basic steps can help you. One is to label them. So you give it a name and sure, you could, you could just give it the regular name of my addiction or my problem, but I think a fun name is better. So instead of just being my cigarette addiction, you could call it Smokey the Smoke Monster. And you're like, ah, Smokey the Smoke Monster, very present right now. I really want a cigarette. Um, shit, okay, Smokey's winning this one. Let's light it up. And you have a way to understand that part um, as part of yourself, but also as something that's a little bit separate and has a different agenda than your main conscious mind. The other thing that I think um, this pandemic has really done to bring these addictions to the forefront is to think about what are the precursors to the addiction. So not getting enough sleep sounds so stupid and so simple, but not getting enough sleep really lowers your barrier to, um, it, it really affects your willpower and makes it harder to resist those addictive behaviors. So something like getting enough sleep, if you meditate, meditate, if you do yoga, do yoga, if you are trying to eat better, you know, eat an apple. All of those things that you can create a structure that makes you feel better more generally will help boost your ability to deal with that addictive behavior. The other thing that I would, uh, the final thing, I guess, that I would caution against is similar to casting them out of the circle. Um, we often think in very extreme terms. And so I'm not, I don't know what your addiction is. And there's a lot of addictions where you can't just like wean off of it and you really do have to go cold turkey and that's again i don't know the specifics but what's not good is going back and forth between extremes and so you're falling into addictive behavior and then you're like never again and you make this bold statement and then the addictive behavior comes back and you go no i'm such a piece of shit i'm so fucking worthless blah 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 that is not helping anybody and so I think it's mostly about forming a better relationship between whoever you think is the captain of your heist crew, um, the part that 
you normally identify with and think is in charge, although that part is rarely in charge. It's just kind of justifying what's happening uh, and this addictive behavior. So naming it, having a conversation with it, whether that's out loud in the ritual magic context or through journaling or whatever way that you can tap into it, learning about its positive intent, and then negotiating. And this doesn't mean negotiating in the terms of like, if we do our chores, then we can smoke some crack, but only if we do our chores, but rather of saying, I understand you're trying to meet this need. I don't like the way that we're meeting it. Can we go about it a different way? Is there another strategy? And talk to that part and ask it questions and ask it, can we try this other strategy? And that part might say, no. And you say, okay, what about this? And you you go back and forth and you're going to try and be in charge and try and push a little bit more, but you have to not beat yourself up because it's not just about white knuckling it and being in control. And and it's important to say finally that there's a reason why substance abuse clinics and other resources exist out there um, for dealing with addiction because it's really hard to deal with it on your own. So it can be very worthwhile to talk to someone that you love or reach out to other people that you know for help or seek professional help if you feel like these attempts to frame it and negotiate with it are not successful and you need um, some additional support. Best of luck. I believe in you. Your magic is real. And I wish you all the best in getting this under control. You're not alone. You got this. So I want to get a new iPhone. My boyfriend is taking away my old iPhone because he doesn't want to pay for it. And I want a new iPhone. And I think this is dark magic. I think it would be completely appropriate to throw a huge temper tantrum in the Metro PCS store in order to get the new iPhone. I know it's black magic, but I need an iPhone. So your advice is always nice. Thank you so much. Oh, sweetie, I think if you want a new iPhone, you're going to have to use black magic much, much, much blacker and more dark than uh, throwing a temper tantrum. So here's what I would recommend. Get your boyfriend to take you to the Sprint Metro PCS store and bring with you a little tote bag and have in there um, a thing of salt, a live rooster, and a fuck-off sharp knife. And what you'll want to do is you'll want to cast the salt in a circle before you throw your temper tantrum. And then you'll want to cut open the chicken's throat and pour the blood all over you and everywhere within the circle. But be very careful. You don't want the blood to get out of the circle because that could have bad implications. Um, Once you are covered in blood and the circle of salt is around you, that's when I would throw your temper tantrum. And really make sure to just be as obnoxious and immature and awful as possible. And I think that is the magic that is going to seal the deal and you will get a brand new iPhone and everything will be amazing from then on. Because, I mean, that camera's got like three fucking lenses. That's crazy, right? It's crazy. Hello, this is Heather. Say, I wanted you to explain to all of us listeners What is the big deal with some folks, particularly witches, when they hear the word wizard? Um, If you could explain some of those cultural and metaphysical things, that would be great. And good luck with your two-year anniversary. Thanks, Heather. 
I'm pretty sure that every episode of the Wizard Hotline is going to have a question about the word wizard or some variant thereof, and I'm just going to make it a policy of, I'll try and answer it. I'll try and answer it in a way that I haven't answered it before and hopefully say something new. Because I tell you what, no matter how many questions I get about the word wizard, it's never going to equal the amount of time I have personally spent thinking about what the word wizard means. And so, sure, let's dive in to the big old mailbag that is my brain and pull out a letter and see what it says. Now, your question is specifically asking, how do witches react to the word wizard? And not being a witch, in fact, being a wizard, I can't fully speak for that community But the impression that I get is it's a lot like how a doctor uh, responds when someone asks them about, oh, you're a doctor. My friend Dave is a doctor, too. He's a chiropractor. And they're like, ooh, because they don't really want to see the chiropractor as being in the same field as them because they went to school and they are fancy and uh, chiropractors aren't real. Um, I didn't say that. You heard that, but I didn't say it. Uh, But anyways, yeah, I think a lot of the time, witches that I have met, they vary widely. I can't speak for all witches, but I think there's a feeling of, I have studied a tradition. This is how magic works. I have my beliefs around it. And then they're like, wizards are from Harry Potter. And why would someone call themselves a wizard? And it's sort of like, oh, cool, we're on the same team, but not really. Um, I have a lot of witches that are dear, dear friends. So I'm, I'm making gross generalizations, which hopefully they'll forgive me for and not turn me into a newt. Um, but yeah, I think the word wizard is just a little bit off for them because hopefully they don't think girls are witches and boys are wizards because, oh my God, it's the 21st century. Anyone that says that, blah. You can go hang out with J.K. Rowling, have fun. Uh, but hopefully we're beyond those strict binary definitions of of wizard and, and witch. And I think it's just a little bit of you're playing a similar game, but with different rules. Like you're playing Canadian football and I'm Tom Brady. Not really the same game. Uh, but that's why I like being a wizard, because we don't have... Uh, the name brand recognition um, as an actual spiritual practice that witch does. And we get to be a little bit more freeform. And as I've said many times before, that's the goal of wizardry is not to just have a definition and say, here are the bylaws of wizardry. Please apply. We'll see you at the next meeting. But instead, uh, wizardry is a little thread that you can start to pull on and you can watch as reality unravels. And with that, our episode will now begin its process of unraveling because our final call is not even a question. It's a comment, which if you've ever been to a Q&A in person before, is literally every question is a, is a comment in disguise. But this one is great. I like this one a lot. So let's hear these words of wisdom, and then we're going to check out uh, Labri Sifri's, uh, that's L-A-B-I Sifri, S-I-F-F-R-E, who was this, um, who, I'm so sorry, is this amazing um, queer black musician from England who made amazing pop music in the 70s, and we're going to hear his song, 
bless the telephone uh, to take us away. And please don't forget, though, before we wrap all of this up, that uh, I'm asking you, specifically you, the lucky person who gets chosen to call 860-415-6009 and leave a message asking for a ritual. And I'm going to do a full episode length audio ritual for all of us to join in. It's going to be amazing. Will there be thunder effects? Absolutely. Will there be weird synth sounds? Absolutely. Will we have to kill a chicken? No, because we don't want an iPhone. We just want to make somebody's reality slightly better. And that person is you. And we can't do that unless you take that action and you use a phone call to change your reality by calling 860-415-6009 and let the wizard hotline do what it does best. Magic, baby. Magic. Man. I heard a lot about you, but I just didn't know what to do about it. So you can use my voice in whatever little broadcast you want to do. It doesn't change the fact that the cherry pie sits on top of the lemon pie. And you know it. Okay, you know it. Okay? 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 So just take that for what it's worth. <clears throat> and I appreciate everything you've done. Of course I appreciate it. Of course, man. Everything you've done for the Wiccans. The magical people. Great. That's all. That's all I just say. Thank you. Goodbye now. It's nice to hear your voice again. I've waited all day long. Even wrote a song for you. It's strange the way you make me feel. With just a word or two, I'd like to do the same for you. It's nice to hear you say hello. And how are things with you? I love you. But very soon it's time to go. And off this job to do while I'm here writing songs for you. Strange how a phone call can change your day Take you away, away from the feeling of being alone Bless the telephone It's nice the way you say my name Not very fast or slow, just soft and low The same as when you tell me how you feel I feel the same way too I'm very much in love with you I'm very much in love with you